next two weeks, I want you to think of them as a mini-series, okay? I want you to think of them as a mini-series, and I want to let you know that I'm going to be saying some things that I think are a little bit strong, um, but I'm doing so in love. And you may not think they're strong, but that's fine. But think of the next two weeks as a mini-series with one thing, one single element to embrace, is we are Christians, so some, I mean, maybe not everybody, those of us online or those in the room, but we are Christians, but just because we're Christians, the moment you gave your life to Jesus didn't automatically mean that your mind, the way you think, is the way Jesus thinks. That your emotions are always in line with how Jesus engaged people. So all I'm saying is simply this, is you can be a Christian and have an absolutely unhealthy thought life. You can be a follower of Jesus who has emotions that are unhealthy, that create challenges. Every one of us need our thinkings renewed, need our emotions renewed, and it's a really important thing that we talk about as the church. Mental health is important for us to talk about. Our emotions are really important. You can't sometimes just confess your way out of chemical realities in a body. These are things that we need to engage together. Earl Nightingale once said this, Whatever we plant in our minds and nourish with repetition, any motion will one day become reality. So in other words, we become what we behold. It's the power of our thoughts. It's the power of our thinking. And Jesus knows this to be true. And so one day he tells his disciples um, that he, he gathers his disciples and he gives them like, you know, and the old expression is like, do you want the good news or do you want the bad news? And everybody says, give me the bad news first right? Well, Jesus leads with the bad news, and he actually gives them the good news, but something happens. He gathers his disciples, and he says to them that he is going to be killed. But he's going to rise again three days later. But here's what happens. What happens to the disciples, because they are not thinking properly, their mind is not on the things of God, their thinking is unhealthy, they listen to the level of their disagreement. And that's what we do today in 2022. We listen to the level of our disagreements. Oh, we keep hearing, but we stop listening. It's incredible how you can be scrolling social media by yourself, and all of a sudden you begin to have imaginary conversations with people that you disagree with. Or it's remarkable how you can be scrolling and how all these emotions well up inside of you when people are not even present. What happens, once again, is oftentimes we listen to the level of our disagreement. I want to show it to you in Scripture. I love Peter. I couldn't be more personality different from Peter. Peter would jump out of the boat, and I would be like, mm, not so much. Don't see the life jackets? Not going to do it. But Peter, I, I love him. But he listens to the level of his disagreement. And when Jesus says something that Peter doesn't like, his thinking pulls him away from Jesus. And here's what I want you to know. This is so important for us to hear. And I'm actually going like, to just gently critique something we just sang a moment ago. Peter, because of his love for Jesus, is blinded by the will of God for Jesus. And so Peter does something that is incredibly unhelpful. Peter rebukes Jesus. Now, let me just let you know, in the history of dumb things, that's up there. 
in the history of things that isn't wise to do, that's up there. But here's what can happen in our thoughts as Christians. Peter is in relationship with Jesus. He's one of the 12. He sees Jesus every day. And Jesus says that he's going to be killed. And Peter's love for Jesus overwhelms him. And essentially he says, no way. That is not going to happen. You're not going to be killed at all. He engages this. And Jesus does something incredibly powerful. As Peter rebukes Jesus, Peter mistakenly thinks he is being loving towards Jesus when he is actually self-deceived and moving in the opposite way of love. Peter doesn't know it, but he's actually inviting and putting a thought in front of Jesus to lead Jesus in a way of disobedience. And he believes he's doing it in love. See, a moment ago, we sang a song about God being on our side. And I understand that God is for us. I understand that. But I'm really uncomfortable. It's a song. It's poetic. I like it. We'll sing it again. I don't have a problem with it. I'm just saying there's something that's dangerous in the posture of a Christian or of a church that always believes that God is on our side. No, church. God is on, on his side. And he is working to conform me and to conform you into his image and his likeness. Here, Jesus, you're going to see what he does. Peter in love. Love is the motivation. But he can't be more wrong in terms of his thinking. I want you to see where, when, and how Jesus takes this thought captive. Jesus turned to Peter and told Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns. You're just viewing this from your perspective. You're just viewing this from how you think and how you feel about it. You're not seeing what is happening. You are not seeing, Jesus would later say, for the joy set before me, I endured the cross. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane praying from his toes out, sweating, saying, if there is any other way, but here's the amazing thing. The moment the thought comes in this human Jesus, Jesus was fully God, fully human. The moment the thought comes, the moment it comes, Jesus does not attack Peter, but he attacks the thought that is going to lead him into disobedience. If Jesus is not killed, if Jesus doesn't die, then Christianity isn't what it is called to be, then behold the Lamb of God who takes away. No, it's just the Lamb of God who failed like every other human. Peter, in love, is thinking about something altogether wrong. You and I today are asked a lot of questions, aren't we? And they usually start like this. Hey, what do you think about? And there's a lot that we need to think about. But what do you think about is such a baited question these days. Haven't you found that oftentimes the what do you think about is really just an invitation oftentimes for no. What do you think about? What do you think about mandates? What do you think about war? What do you think about guidance? What do you think about convoys? There's a question. What do you think about sexuality? What do you think? And you can just keep going on and on and on. And in a moment, we're going to talk about how we need to talk about these things. 
D.A. Horton says that Peter is a prime example of how a follower of Jesus can use their effort and their energy to position Jesus as a ruler of the kingdom that they want established. And Jesus' response echoes in our day just as it was there. Jesus will not be controlled by his followers. He's king, we're not. Jesus is Lord, which means I'm not. Which means God is not always on my side. Because there are lots of times in my thinking, in my emotions, I'm offside. I'm out of step. I am only looking at it through my perspective. And I'm not seeing oftentimes what God may be doing from a different perspective. This doesn't make Peter a terrible follower of Jesus. It makes him one just like you and I who can be Christians and simultaneously, no matter the issue, get things wrong. Even our motivation can be love. And this is a prophetic word even in the culture that we live in. It's not just that my motive is love because Peter's was too. But just because my motivation is love doesn't mean I'm walking in the way of obedience. I can be equally disobedient. Jesus showed us, and the Bible says again and again, watch the language, we demolish arguments. We don't demolish people. Arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive. Everyone say every thought. Here's, we love to quote this part and we should. It's an important part. But it says we take every thought captive. And then here's the key word though. To obey Christ. That's beautiful language. I am taking all of these thoughts about lots of different things in my life. And I am bringing them to obey Jesus. And we are ready to punish disobedience once our obedience is complete. And at that moment, this is precisely what Jesus is doing with Peter. It may not feel loving for Peter. It may not look like love. And it may not fit the definition of love. But it is the ultimate expression of love. As a leader, as a parent, as a person of authority... Sometimes you have to make decisions that are really, really unpopular and unpleasant. And sometimes it's the most loving thing you can do. I'm not talking politically now. I'm just talking literally within the agency of a parent. Because I'm going, what are you saying right now? I'm not saying that. I'm talking over here, okay? See, again, Peter suggests that there's another way than the cross. There's another way than obedience. And Jesus takes the thought captive. Why? Because he knows the thought unchecked leads to emotions, leads to justification, leads to rationalization. Here's the beautiful thing that Peter had that we don't have. And it's different. Peter had the living Christ and 12 following, 12 other, 11 other followers of Jesus, maybe a crowd of 70, and then maybe 120. But there's only Jesus. Wherever Jesus went, Peter had to go. A challenge we have in the church today oftentimes is even if we're disobedient to scripture, we can form churches and communities around our disagreement or disobedience and not just our disagreements, our disobedience. And when we do so, we can actually use the name of Jesus in a way that just takes his name in vain. We use the name of the God-man 
but the way that we are using it, he is nothing more in that moment because it is in disobedience. It is nothing more than a dead idol like any other idol. There's power in the name of Jesus. And everyone said? There's power in the name of Jesus on both sides, how you use it correctly or incorrectly. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's cultural prophets from many years ago prophesied in a song about the world that we would be living in today. The band was Depeche Mode and they wrote a song called Your Own Personal Jesus. Welcome to 2022. It's problematic. See, the Bible addresses formation that we become what we behold. Romans 12 verse 2 says, don't be conformed. There's the first formation. Don't be conned in your formation. Don't be conned. Don't believe lies in terms of your formation. So don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed. How are you transformed? By the, how you think. By the renewing of your mind. By washing your mind with God's word. So that you may discern what is good, what is pleasing, what is the perfect will of God. Here's the promise I have for you. When you and I walk in obedience to God's will, God's word, and God's ways, you will walk in the will of God. You don't, how do I discern what God's will for my life is? Your primary calling is to walk in obedience. And I promise you, if you do that, you, God will lead. He will guide. He will direct your steps. And even if you go a little left or a little right, he can renew he can redeem I promise you if you keep that focused out there you will walk in the will you will walk in the ways of God but if you reverse it and you and I think that walking in disobedience is walking in the ways of Jesus then I'm telling you he will redeem he will renew and God can restore because he's loving and he's good and he never stops working and it's a beautiful thing but there's carnage and there's danger and there's damage when you and I Walk in disobedience. Another story of the, of the power of our thoughts is John the Baptist, who Jesus said was the greatest. So John the Baptist, sorry to say, he's better than you. So Jesus said, he says, I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John. That's what Jesus said. What makes John so great? Well, that's a good sermon for another day, but I think one of the things that made John great that we can learn from is this. John is the most popular preacher in Israel. Like, he's, he's got ministry momentum, man. His, his gathering, he didn't, it wasn't a church, but his gathering, growing every day. Until one day, a carpenter cousin that he knows comes to be baptized by him. And in this moment, the great John, what makes John great is John 3, verse 30, is that he recognized and he said these words. Watch his thinking change. He's got the best thing in town going on. And the moment he sees Jesus, he says, he's the one who's got to increase. I got to decrease. And that, loved ones, is the posture of a follower of Jesus. It is embracing that every single one of us, including John, had a boundary 
on their assignment, on his agency, on his authority, and then ultimately on his anointing. Part of what made John great is his understanding and his embracing the boundary of this is the assignment that Jesus has called me to. This is the authority that I have. And this is when I need to learn to defer to him. Not get bigger and compete with Jesus. Part of what has made the church unhealthy is the belief that our anointing and that our agency and that our assignment is unlimited. In some cases, you have pastors and churches today, I believe it wholeheartedly, full of the authority of Christ, but stepping beyond the boundary of their assignment. Let me give you a quick example. If your car breaks down, where do you bring it? Some of you are like, nowhere, I fix it myself. Okay, you get out. You're like too good. You're too popular. You're, 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 okay, good for you. The rest of us, when your car breaks, you bring it to a mechanic. You don't bring it to your doctor. Unless your doctor is a mechanic. And then once again, that's, that's, I'm jealous. Mm, too gifted. No, you bring it where it needs to go, right? But when you're sick, you don't show up at your mechanic and you're like, I got a fever. Your mechanic would be like, well, you know, I'll, I'll check your oil and see how we're doing here, but it's not going to work. It's such a silly, simple example, but here's what you know. You understand that they have different assignments, different agency, different levels of experience. Well, local church pastors, we have assignments, we have agency, and we are not the full body of Christ. We are one member in the body of Christ. See, some of us are speaking on things that we have no knowledge of our agency at all. And it's a problem. Because then when those who do have agency speak into it, their voices are being drowned out by other voices. So one of the ways that you and I can begin to think differently in 2022 is asking, Lord, where have you given me a gift of limits? Not of unlimited, you know, not, I'm not talking about limiting the power of God. I'm not talking about that. But where have you given me the gift of limits? What's my assignment? Here's what I know. I'm a parent. But I'm not a capital P parent. Think, think, think about me as a parent walking into your house trying to parent your kids. How's that going to go? Not well. Why? Because just because I am doesn't mean I'm called to be that everywhere. I have to know the boundary of my assignment. Here's how seriously we take this at Life Center. We, go to, we have been asked over the years for a Life Center campus here, there, or there. Here's the question that we ask all the time and go to prayer. Lord, do we have anointing in that geographical area? Is that where, not just is it a good idea or can we, God, have you actually called us to do that? Have you called us to plant there? Have you called us to merge there? Have you called us to engage there? Because here's what I know. 
If he calls us to do it, he'll give us the anointing and the agency to do it. If not, we are doing it in our own strength. It's not just a good idea. We need to hear from God. And so again, we can bring this right down and right home. Here's my question. Where do you need to decrease? Some of you may be so stressed, so anxious, so full of fear, so full of discouragement. One of the ways that that can be abated is you can trust and say, I know that has to be done. But that's just not my assignment to step into. Just because everybody says you have to comment on something doesn't mean you need to comment on something. Just because it is a level one crisis for somebody over here doesn't necessarily mean, in particular, when you and I as followers of Jesus have no knowledge, no understanding, no agency, and no anointing, then all we create are noisy gongs and clanging cymbals, even if our motive is love. But if it is not the agape love of God and we don't have agency and anointing, one of the most beautiful things that we can do is receive the unlimited, as, as Caleb said so beautifully, the full to overflowing, unlimited power of God, unlimited pouring and filling of the Holy Spirit, filling of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe in one filling of the Holy Spirit. I believe in constant fillings of the Holy Spirit because life knocks liquid out of us. Life knocks everything out of us, filled again and again. I believe in that wholeheartedly, but I believe a life walking in the Spirit has an unlimited supply of the Spirit, but a restraint walk. Understanding the agency, the anointing, and the authority that God is asking them to engage in. Dr. Carolyn Leaf writes in her book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. It's a good book. Although events and circumstances can't be controlled, we can control our reactions to these events and circumstances. This is mind management in action. The bottom line is this, we can't improve our lifestyle until we learn to manage our thinking. And she says, scientifically speaking, it takes 63 days to change how you think about something. Why 63 days? I have no idea. That's beyond my agency. Some of you got to 62 days and it didn't work. Well, start again. Oh, no, I don't think so, but I don't know. Why 63? I don't know. It just, it's scientifically speaking. But she says, if you want to change your thinking, here's some things that you have to do for 63 days. Gather. So pay attention to your thoughts and how they make you feel. Exactly. Reflect. Get clear on what is honestly happening in your mind. Write, journal, organize your thoughts. Here's a big one. Recheck what you're thinking. Talk to someone else with different agency or an authority in this area. Here's all I know. If I want to learn how to pray, I don't want to learn from someone who knows the theory. I want to learn from someone who actually prays. Because there's a lot of people that can talk a good game, but they've never actually walked it, and they want to coach you now. I took a course, now I'm ready to coach. Uh-uh, give me the person, yeah, who takes the course for sure, but they've walked through the battles so they actually know what it is that I'm walking through. Different. Active reach, apply what you've learned in some way. Let's finish here. Let's talk about how we think and put a finer point on it. First Thessalonians, Thessalonians, not Thessalonians. First, that book, chapter 5, verses 15 to 18 says, Rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks 
Only when things go your way. Give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Beloved, we've fallen short here. No, because we've bought into something different. Some of you read that and you just read it as hyperbolic. And so do I. You look at that and you, I went to look at the scripture and it was already gone. So it's okay. I look at it in my notes. Some of you look and say, yeah, yeah. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything. Not possible. Really. Well, what's the opposite of rejoicing? Well, it's always being critical. I know a lot of people who are always critical. Do you? Okay, honest moment here. Who here is a little bit too critical? Can I see your hands, please? Okay. Online, put your hands up. Okay, and there are some of you who did this. You did this. Well, I'm not actually critical. Like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm constructively critical. Well, nobody finds it constructive but you. <laughs> nobody else finds it constructive. Everybody else finds it annoying. Well, I'm just constructively criticizing. No, you're not. You can't make it. Do- all I ask is, where do you want to go to eat? That's all I ask. Well, no, no, no. Okay, all of us. Why am I talking about that? Anyways. If you find yourself always critical, here's what I'm telling you. It's the same practice to be always rejoicing. It's the same principle, just a different side of the same coin. So if you can do one, it's because you've learned how to do one up here. Next one. What is the opposite of praying constantly? It is worrying without ceasing. What is worry? Worry is believing it is all dependent on you and God is distant, disengaged, and not interested. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that actually when you go to your father, he knows what you need before you even ask. Why is that important? Because it's for you and I to know that the moment you begin to pray and talk to God about what's important to you, what's on your heart, doesn't mean he's on your side, but it means that he's for you, that he knows you, that he knows the cares of your heart. In other words... You don't have to worry. If you're worrying about everything, and there's lots to be concerned and anxious, and I'm not diminishing those feelings, but I am saying this. If you can worry all the time, you can learn to pray a whole lot more. It's the same coin, just a different side. And lastly, what is the opposite of giving thanks? The opposite of giving thanks is living with a spirit that is always discontent, Nothing is ever good enough. If you live with a spirit that no one's ever good enough, no decision's ever good enough, nothing is ever good enough, then you too can think and learn in Jesus what it is to give thanks. I'm just trying to prove one thing. It is not unreasonable for the Bible to say, rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in everything. Because if we can be always critical, worrying without ceasing, and living from a discontent spirit, then Jesus can put a new spirit and transform our thinking, renew our minds, so we live and see the world differently. Dr. Carolyn Leaf says this, we can go three weeks without food. Some of you are like, yeah, right, try that. Excuse me? Dr. Carolyn Leaf said, not me. We can go three weeks without food, three days without water, or three minutes without oxygen, but we can't go three seconds without thinking. You know, as a man, I challenge that. Like, (laughs) 
Like when I'm watching sports, no thinking. <laughs> I kid, sort of. We become what we behold. For as we think in our hearts, so are we. And the gap between the life we desire and the one we want is found in your daily thoughts. So what if everything that you wanted to change in the world, I know you don't have agency to change all of it, but the one thing you do have agency to change is this. And you can't do it by yourself. You need the fullness of Christ, a walk in the Spirit, and a loving church community who will speak truth to our hearts. And here's what the scripture says. As I say this, Pastor Rhonda can come. Finally, brothers and sisters, finally, vaccinated and unvaccinated. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any moral excellence, and if there's anything praiseworthy, Think on these things. Beloved, resist the urge to demonize those you disagree with and embrace that though you still passionately disagree with them on some things, that they too are brothers and sisters in Christ. And just because they're a Christian doesn't mean all up here is good or all in here is good. And the same Jesus who's working on you is the same Jesus who's working on them. And the same grace you need, kill your judgmental spirit. Stop trying to create an everyone in your image and let's decrease and say, Jesus, would you take all of us, no matter our position, and posture us so we can be more like you?